Cup of tea tales, the early years of schooling. Dinner ladies, barbershops, PE lessons, memories of the 1960s that last a lifetime. Childhood is an interesting period and often we think that we've no memories of those early years. But I think with the right prodding the memories pull back from the dim recesses. One of those recently prompted memories takes me back to primary school. I attended Hales County Primary School from the age of seven years. The school is no longer there, and structurally, it probably shouldn't have been used when I attended. It was not my first school. I'd attended Stainbeck Preparatory School from the age of four, but the headmistress and owner suddenly died and the school closed. Hare Hills was my local, but my mother wasn't too sure how good it was. I started the same day as the new headmaster did in 1961. He had the famous name of Harold Wilson, and he was in a bit of a fluster when we arrived for an interview with him. Schools were streamed by ability, and there were five stream classes. Mr Wilson seemed very friendly and unprepared. He asked my mother about me, and she claimed I was very bright. She said this to give me the best chance of being in one of the top classes. I was asked a few questions and the headmaster asked me to read for him. The only book he could find at the time was the Bible and he handed it to me, showed me the verse and off I went. I didn't think anything of it but the result was that I was put in the top class to see how I went on. My mother was delighted and afterward I heard her saying to my father that she almost said that I was average so as not to sound conceited. The school was of the traditional infant primary school structure and it was old then. It was on two levels and the primary school had a central hall surrounded by classrooms on the first floor and the infants underneath. There were two entrances and they were quite separate schools. I started the primary school and had to climb up the stairs. There was a very basic external toilet block and a small tarmac yard for lunch and playtimes. The whole of the time I was there, they had no functions where parents could attend, as there were concerns about the structure of the hall floor. It was felt that the additional weight of adults and chairs could cause the floor to collapse. Whatever the concerns, no one ever did anything to fix the problem. Though on one occasion, when I was in Mr Kelly's Year 4A class, we went into the hall with another few classes, and jumped up and down whilst, I suppose, engineers checked the movement. I'm not sure health and safety would approve the technique nowadays. There was no facility for providing dinners in the school, and so at lunchtime the entire school lined up and was escorted in our hundreds to a hall beneath a local church, St Aidan's, on the other side of the main road. There was a crossing in the logistics of moving all the schools safely to and from the hall was well managed and I don't believe we ever lost anyone. The meals were not usually too appetising. Meat, two vegetables followed by pudding was the usual fare. It was plain and nutritious and so shortly after World War II it was a wonderful introduction. Some children got free school meals, but most of us brought our money in on a Monday morning. It was half a crown at first, sixpence a day. As I remember, the dinner ladies were one of two extremes, either weasel thin or plump and well-rounded. 
If it was something we liked, we loitered, hoping for a bit more. If it was something you loathed, you'd say, No, thank you, as you passed along the line. Kindly ladies might let you get away with it, but others took absolutely no notice. That was the total level of choice. My favourite desserts were jam roly-poly with custard and spotted dick again with custard. Sometimes it was chocolate steam pudding, and that occasionally had chocolate custard. At other times, pink custard was on offer. Some children liked the skin of the custard, but I was not one of those. Unfortunately, there were often rice puddings, semolina, or the very worst, sago pudding, which we knew as frog spawn. Years of such puddings probably added to the hardening of my arteries that I've spent the last 40 years trying to control with running, diet and medication. But on the whole, I loved the dinners. I was tricked once. I was led to believe that the option was chips and boiled potato with a hint of parsley. But having a large serving of chips, I discovered they were parsnips in disguise and I was forced to eat them. You didn't dare not eat everything. Each plate was inspected and unless you could make yourself sick or die in the hall, there was no alternative but to eat the plate clean. For what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. The return journey allowed us the rest of lunchtime to play in the small overcrowded yard. Soccer, cricket and many other games crisscrossed the yard and somehow our focus avoided major collisions. But there was always the chance of being hit by a stray ball from another game. The day started with a whole school assembly and then we were off to our lessons. The delivery of the class milk preceded the morning break each child had a glass bottle of milk, a third of a pint, introduced to keep rickets and other conditions at bay. I loved the cream off the milk, but in summer, occasionally when we had a hot day, the milk would be turning. If you were good in class, you might be a milk monitor and you'd head off early to collect the milk bottles in crates. It was a two-person job. And as we had about 40 children in the class, it took the same two to return the empties. The school was a place I loved. The floors were bare wooden floorboards and very rough after years of wear. For assemblies, we sat on the floor and had to take care to avoid splinters. I believe it was on a Wednesday or maybe a Thursday when we had radio assemblies. This was just for the older part of the school and we sat around a large radio and they played a programme. In the assembly there would be a biblical story, and we listened to Daniel in the lion's den, the fiery furnace, the good Samaritan, Noah's ark, and other stories. And there would be the Lord's Prayer, and maybe an Aesop's fable, or another story. I used to look forward to them. Even the year one classroom was very formal. I think the teacher was misfielding. The first desks we had were cast-iron paired desks with a built-in bench seat. You could not move the seats to fit different children's sizes, and because of the weight of each pair of desks, the classroom could not be rearranged. At the back of the hall were rows of bookcases fixed to the wall, and that was the library. The school was on a slope, so there was an additional room underneath the infant school section, across from the toilet block and this room was used as a gymnasium. 
we had to strip down to our underwear in the classroom and head down to the gym. As we got older, we used to do vaulting on the horse or box. It was very military as we lined up, ran in, vaulted. And if Mr Kelly was on song, he would support you as you flew over. And if not, you had a hard landing on the thin green rubber mat. Time flew past like the vaulters, and the forward rolls, headstands and handstands were probably very character-building. Some were talented, some of us scraped by, and some suffered the ignominy of their failure being reinforced on every occasion. Was it character-building? I guess we'll never know, but I know I loved it. Another lasting memory from these times was having my hair cut. My mother would regularly give me money and tell me to get my hair cut on the way home after school. On the other side of the road from the school there was a couple of barber shops and there was a definite atmosphere about them. As you entered you were hit by the smell of brill cream and aftershave. There were chairs in front of the window where you waited in turn and the linoleum floor had a carpet of hair that was occasionally swept. If there were men in the shop, the air would have the additional aroma of smoke. Whilst waiting, you would look at the magazines and sometimes find some racy pictures to keep you occupied. The shelves were supplied with all sorts of things for sale that I had no idea about. What were styptic pencils, condoms, and why would I want Wilkinson sword safety razors? It was all an adult male mystery to me. I used to watch the barber in action. Hair was combed, raised between two fingers and trimmed with a sharp pair of scissors. This process was continuous and the fingers were a blur. Somehow, in just a few minutes, an unruly mop of hair would become a well-managed work of art. Water was sprayed from a bottle and a cutthroat razor would appear, sharpened on a leather belt, a strop, and the back of the neck would be expertly shaved and cleared of unwanted hair. A soft brush would appear and with a few flicks of the wrist any cut hair was removed. A mirror was held up, an approval sought, and then the covering protecting the customer was whisked off like a matador at a bullfight. Money exchanged, and then the barber would turn around and say, Next! If I was next, then a plank of wood would be laid between the two arms of the chair so that the smaller customers were at a height that meant the barber didn't have to bend. What will it be? To this, there didn't seem a lot of choice. It was usually short back and sides, or short back and sides with a square neck. I did once try a crew cut, but with my fine hair, it wouldn't stand up like my older brother's. Anyway, the magic of the comb and scissors was utilised, and then the clippers came out. I believe it had the subtlety of a New South Wales sheep shearer, but within a few moments a mirror was held up for approval. I've no idea what would have happened if I'd said I wasn't happy with something, and I wasn't game to find out. He would ask if you wanted lacquer, and if you said yes you were sprayed with some highly scented liquid that set with a crusty finish to your hair. Out came the brush, two swift flicks or so, and then the apron was unfastened. Additional swishes to ensure some hair went down the back of the neck to itch for an eternity, and then a hand was stretched out to receive payment. 
I would leave the shop a squirming mess, but look in the shop window reflection to see what sort of fashion statement I made. My mother would check to see that I'd been shorn as I entered through our door and nodded her approval, whilst I still could not stop gyrating and removed my shirt and shook it vigorously to remove any remnants of the hair. Now I would be grateful to have that hair back, but such is the experience of youth that we don't appreciate what we have until it has gone. If you enjoy my tales, then you might be interested in knowing that there are two collections of them. The first, A Cup of Tea Tales, The Early Years, and the second, Another Cup of Tea, The Teenage Years. Both are available as paperback from Amazon and ebooks from Kindle.